Hello, Tallahassee. This is the Gospel on the Radio talk show. I am Pastor Jack King. I am your host. And uh, what is always exciting to be with you here on WTSM 97.9, your sports monster. We're on Sunday mornings from 7 to 8. We talk about dreams and visions and a church triumphant, alive and well. We talk about the church and all that God is doing in his glorious kingdom, but we have a few rules on the show. We don't talk sports, politics, or doctrine, but we do always speak well of one another. And this is show number 1005 today. And uh, I have a very special guest in the studio, Mr. Joshua, our pastor, Joshua Grimes. He is the regional executive director of the Open Bible Churches of the Eastern Region. Brother Grimes, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, we've been... Uh, down uh, in the middle of Florida at a men's retreat this week. Pastor Joshua came down to speak for us and just did a tremendous job. And uh, he's going to be with us uh, tomorrow morning at Freedom Road, a church that I pastor here in Tallahassee. I'd love to have you come out and visit with us. We start at 11.05. We're at uh, uh, 720 Capital Circle Northeast. You can check us out on the web, frcm.us. We start at 11.05. Pastor Joshua, you are uh, in a position now of, of leadership as far as overseeing churches, but you've also been a pastor most of your, your ministerial career. Yeah, more than 35 years. 35 years. Now, you don't look like you're much more than 35 years. So, <laughs> would you start when you were a baby? Or? <laughs> I started pastoring when I was 19 years 19 old. 19 years old. Uh, pastoring a, a church? Yes. Really? Planted my first church when I was 19. Is that right? Yes. And, and uh, how long were you there? I was there for about 15 and a half years. So you started a church, stayed 15 years, and so I'm assuming you saw the church grow and prosper? Yep. We built a brand new facility out on Highway 32 in Winchester, Indiana. Uh, we started in a little old Quonson hut and um, had it filled up pretty quick, and then we started looking for a new home, and we prayed over some land. We, uh, Me and four guys spent about two and a half years building the facility. And had a wonderful, wonderful time ministering in Winchester, Indiana. Got a lot of great memories there. I mean, you actually literally physically built the church yourself. Yep. Me and four guys. I acted as a general contractor and uh, chief decision maker. Probably made a lot of mistakes along the way. <laughs> but it was a great it. learning process. But now, had you had previous experience in a building? Um, I've always been good with my hands. I do a lot of, I can do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, kind of a jack of all right, trades, right. master of none. Well, I'm sure you learned a lot of things in the process. Now, were the other four guys, were they accomplished builders? Uh, actually had a, a union carpenter who happened to be laid off during okay. the time in which we were building our church. And he had been laid off for about a month and kind of needed some money. And I told him I would hire him and, and told him what I'd pay him. And at first he said, well, there's no way I can work for that. And I, he didn't have any work. Right. And uh, wasn't, wasn't a, a Christian man. But uh, we built a good relationship, so he helped me along the way. And uh, when we, f he said, I'll, I'll help you as long as I can until I get called back to work. Well, it was about a month after we finished the building, he got called back to Is work. Is that right? And he worked for you for the $15 an hour yep. the whole time? The whole time. How about that? Now, what about the other guys? Were, were the they other guys were volunteers from the church, so they would uh, go to work during the day. They'd get off. Uh, one got off about 2.30, one got off at 4. They would come, and we would work until about 9 10, they would go home because they had work the next day, and I'd work till about midnight and get home and wow. start again the wow. next day at 6 a.m. Now, you uh, say so you're 50, or 19 years old when you started to pastor the church, but you had also had been to Bible college previous to this. Yep. I went to Bible college right out of high school, and I took um, I was there for a year. I took day school, night school, and home school all at the same time. Wow. And because I wanted to get it done quick enough to get back and get busy working for Jesus. But now to, to have done this at such a young age, you had to have been pretty confident in your calling as far as being a pastor or a minister. Absolutely. Um, uh, my dad had a word from the Lord that his wife was pregnant and that he was going to have a son to name him Joshua, which means Yahweh saves. And that the Lord wanted to use me in the ministry. Well, he went and told my mom of that. And my mom said, uh, well, I don't, I don't know what Lord told you, but I'm not pregnant. Uh, but, of course, just a few weeks later, she found out she was. How about that? And um, the day I was born, 
the enemy still likes to throw those seeds of doubt. Uh, my dad's out in the waiting room, kind of just waiting around. Uh, back in those days, the, the the fathers didn't get to come in. The women did the hard work. The guys got to drink the coffee and wait for the baby. Right. <laughs> the nurse come walking out with a, a baby wrapped up in a pink blanket with a little pink hat. <laughs> and my dad's first thought is, man, Joshua is going to be a weird name for a girl. <laughs> and uh, the nurse handed handed me to my father and said, uh, Mr. Grimes, we apologize. We ran out of blue. <laughs> so that was, uh, you know, that uh, that was the word that my father had received. But uh, at the age of four, we were at our home church, guest speaker in town. And um, about, about a third of the way through his message, I was sitting on the front row on my uncle's lap who was visiting the church, and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me in a divine way. And at the time, I didn't quite understand who was telling me this and just basically reiterating that God was going to use me for the ministry, that I had a call in my life. It was at that time I, I, I heard the word Nazarite for the first time. And, um, well, a few moments after this, the, the guest speaker his name was Richard Edgars, and Richard Edgars stopped in the middle of a sermon, and he looked down, and he said, you young man, come over here. So I, I got up and walked up there. He said, who's his, who's his parents? And my dad raised his hand, and he says, I want you to come on up here. And my mom elbowed my dad and said, man, I ain't going up there. You go up there. <laughs> About halfway up to the front aisle, he said to, uh, he says, well, is your wife with you? dad can't lie in church he no. said yeah she's sitting back there so she came up and he began to prophesy the exact same thing i already heard and he prophesied that and uh, at four years old it i knew that i knew that i knew not only did i hear it but i had it confirmed wow. shortly thereafter wow. and uh, my life was different than most young people my daddy was my daddy when we were with family but when it was me and him he was my pastor and my mentor and when other kids were out playing games, I'm sitting through board meetings, and and uh, after board meetings, he would tell me, "Well, this is why we did this, and this is how we did that." Really, and, wow! And he uh, he pretty much trained me my whole life for ministry. And so, at the age of twelve, I I said, "Dad, you know, back in those days, they didn't have anything called kids' church. We had Sunday school, mm-hmm. and then everybody was in the sanctuary." And I said, "Dad, these these young ones are not understanding." Uh, your message because it's over their head we need to have a church that's on their level and um, I said we need to have it from the ages of of five to six all the way up to 12 and he said well son we really don't have anybody to do that and I said well dad I'm gonna do it that's that right and how were you then I was 12 years old 12 yourself and my dad said well son okay (laughs) he knew the call of God and and so he took a chance on me and I started a, a kids ministry and trying to teach uh, trying to teach these eight, nine, and ten-year-olds how to ush, you know. I, I had little ushers, and you know, made little deacons, and we just really? had like a little church service geared towards their age, and it was uh, it was a powerful time. And my dad um, had me preach to the adults my first time when I was thirteen years old. Is that right? And um, then I was the youth pastor when I was fifteen, and I did ministry all the way up until uh, I graduated from high school. So well, that, I, that would explain why you were so confident to to go off to Bible college right out of high school like that, and and that really is a to me is an incredible thing. Now, I have some identity with you in that. Uh, I mean, I've I've always known I was going to be a pastor. If, if from I can't remember a time when I didn't know. Now, I went through a little period of time when I was in high school when I just had to kind of question things, but God made it very very clear. So I understand that. But but it's it's a wonderful thing. Now, interesting enough, you have what two brothers, right? Yep, two I have brothers. two brothers and an older sister, and, and and they didn't experience the same call. My uh, my sister has was in the kids ministry mm-hmm. and the ladies ministry for many years, and her husband was the associate pastor at my dad's church. My brother, right under me, Jacob Grimes, is. Um, he's also called to the ministry. He's the full-time worship leader and, and administrative pastor at my dad's church. Okay. But uh, interesting enough, he is actually, um, and, and my dad's church is the only church he's ever been to his whole life. Wow. He was born there, raised there. When he was 18 years old, he came on staff, and he's been a tremendous blessing to the church. Um, but he had a, he had a, about a year ago, the Lord began to stir him in his heart. 
and he is actually moving to Largo, Florida, and he's going to be the the full-time worship leader at uh, Hope Church in Largo, Florida, and he's going to be, him and his wife both are going to be the campus pastors Wow! as they've got a new pastor coming in. So this is going to be a big void for your dad, isn't it? It is. It's going to be a big change because, you know, it's it's been – uh, you know, it's been, let's see, my brother's 44 years old, and he's been working for my dad uh, since he was 18, but he was on the worship team since he was eight wow. years old. But the thing about it, though, is that uh, the calling was different evidently in his life. Yes. Because he's, he's been working more as an associate, whereas it, uh, your, your dad got a message about your calling even before you were even born. Yeah. But so, so your brother. I mean, he's in ministry, but the, but the calling was just how God went about it. Yep. With, with that, of course, you say your sisters in, in ministry and your other brothers uh, in in theater or acting. I understand. And uh, so, I mean, God God has different callings on your life like that. So, like this is unique. But God says, from very from a very small age, you're called to the ministry. You've walked through that because a lot of times uh, people will get that type of a word and then something will happen. The devil will try to steal the seed and <laughs> and go away. So 19 years of age, you're well. Actually, before that, you're you're out of out of high school. You're going to Bible college. Well, I I did have there was a little period of time when I was 15. Uh, you know, you start growing a few hairs and think you're become a man. You know. And um, I, I, but I went through a period where I tried to make a deal with God, and 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 here was my deal. I I, I even put a little religious spin on it. I said, uh, Lord, I want to be just like Jesus. And He wow. said, What What do you mean? And I said, Well, Jesus, you know, He started His public ministry when He was thirty years old, and so, you know, I'm fifteen. So let me have these fifteen years, and then I'll give you from thirty on. <laughs> right. And, uh, man, I went through a year and a half. I never really fell away from the Lord, but just not in that perfect will. I was just living in the permissive will. But uh, about um, there was a day that I, I just stood before the Lord at the altar, and I just said, Lord, I can't do this. My life has to be yours. I'm not happy without it. And uh, I, when I stood up off that altar, my life was altered and changed forever. And I have been a uh, hundred miles an hour since for Jesus. <laughs> now, uh, right out of high school, you got married, right? Yep, got married just a few weeks out of high school, and we put everything we owned in the back of the car and drove all the way across from uh, Ohio all the way to Eugene, Oregon, and uh, so went to Bible to, College there. To go to Bible College, mm-hmm. and now, uh, I mean, that's awfully young for to, for two people to take off on such an adventure. And I just, I'm just thinking about her parents. What do they think about you dragging their daughter all the way across the country to Eugene, Oregon? Well, they they weren't happy at first. Um, my my wife is four years older than me, so when when uh, when I she was already almost through college when well, we got married, and of course they they weren't believers. They were they were Catholic, but they really weren't believers, and they wanted their daughter to marry a, a businessman or something. And so when they found out I was going to be a preacher, they weren't too happy about it. <laughs> But uh, we were smitten, we were in love, and my wife has been an absolute stalwart support from day one. Wow. And when, when I went to Bible college, she worked two jobs. I worked a job while we were in Bible college, and and um, we just, we've had a great time. She's always been my helpmate. She's uh-huh. not a up front, put a microphone in front and say a word or two. That's not her. Uh, she's more of the behind the scenes. I, I've always told the churches that I've pastored and the people that I've led that, her responsibility is to pastor me, and I'm pastoring you. <laughs> That's interesting. So now, when you took off to go to, go to Bible college, with her being four years older, that actually made it good because then, then she could go ahead and get a job and, and help support. Because uh, uh, going to Bible college is expensive in itself because you had tuition and stuff you had to pay. And, and I mean, this is quite an adventure. <laughs> Bunny, I could tell you so many miracles that took place. We... Um, when I had signed up, uh, Eugene Bible College at the time didn't have married student housing, but they were they were building married student housing. It was supposed to be done when I started, and uh, so we drive all the way out there with the anticipation of we're we're moving into the married student housing. We were going to get all of our grants and and scholarships that I had coming to me, and then we're going to have to do some school loan things, and they were going to allow some of that monies to help us for the first few months until we got jobs and so forth. And um, we pull into the 
uh, the Eugene campus there on Bailey Hill, and my wife had never been there. Mm-hmm. And I had visited the campus about a year prior, and my wife says, well, where do you think the Merritt Student Housing is? And I said, well, I don't know. They're building something over here, but I, I'm not for sure where it would be. And I'm kind of looking. We go to sign up classes and come to find out they had some permit issues. And they had a, a, they had a stick frame building with just the two-by-fours. They didn't even have trusses up yet, and that was the Merritt Student Housing. <laughs> and it, it wasn't quite ready for it. You. It wasn't ready, so I, I said, well, okay, well, what are we going to do? And they said, well, you know, we don't know, but we'll work out something. Well, the the girls' dorm, it's, a, it's still there to this day. It's a big round building, and it's got about 25, 30 rooms in it, and they're pie-shaped. Mm-hmm. And each two rooms share a bathroom in between. Well, what they did is they shifted all the girls around and they left the very end room open. And me and my wife, for the first two months of Bible college, lived in the girls' dorm <laughs> with a set of bunk beds. Oh, my goodness. And they, were, they weren't double bunk beds either. They were single bunk beds. And so when we first go in there, this is a tiny little room. Uh, you know, obviously, there's, there's not a sink. There's nothing in there. It's just bunk beds yeah. and, a, and a little dresser is it. And there's a bathroom that you had to share with two other gals on the other side. Oh, my. And uh, so I told my wife, well, I'll take the top bunk and you take the bottom. And she <laughs> said, oh, no, we're married now. We're sleeping together. And I looked at that little bunk and I thought, I don't know how yeah. in the world, but for two months we made it work. Uh, I think that's probably why we see, uh, still sleep so close together to this day. <laughs> Those first two months taught us to, to literally well, sleep on top of each if, other. If you like my wife and I, uh, when we first came to Tallahassee, the, we, we moved into the church parsonage. And we had a U-Haul truck out there, but we didn't get a chance to unload it that day. And that first night, we slept on a little, th- but we were thinner then. So we, we could do that. I don't know whether that would work so much. <laughs> now, it, was, it was quite the experience yeah. because every morning when I would get up, um, I, of course, I need to take a shower and go to classes. Well, I could never get into the into the bathroom, man. <laughs> there's three girl. women in there, right. and this is back when hairspray came in big cans and bottles. And man, man, they, that hair it, you could blow that place up. It was so hairsprayified in there. So I would grab a towel or two, and I would walk all the way to the other side of the campus to a guy's dorm, and I'd knock on a few doors until somebody said, "Yeah, our shower's free. Come on." And, and it, so it's kind of being in church camp for yeah. two months. Yeah. Now the Bible college was was a four year program so you were there for four years yeah no they had um they had yeah it, it is a four year program and it was then but they also had what they called the bible certificate program which was a year long um and that's what i signed up for but then i ended up doing on uh what is before online classes it was uh i took classes um by correspondence uh-huh. and i did night classes all at the same time right. so I, I did three different courses of action at once so you, you were trying to get through i was trying to yeah. you know i was trying to get through and and because i i wanted i, I promised my wife that uh, as soon as bible college was back we would we would you know move back home and so i tried to make that as quick as possible but i'll tell you what we fell in love with oregon and she actually wanted to stay really but i knew that god had called me back but yeah. When they finally got the married student housing done, we were so excited to move into this new place. And and and, and man, I, when moving day came and they said they gave us the keys, I was like, "This is this is so exciting." We opened the door and we walk in and this brand new, beautiful apartment. Yeah. And we did not have one stitch of furniture. <laughs> and we looked around and I thought, where are we going to sleep, you know? So the first night we just laid and slept on the floor. Didn't even have blankets, sheets, pillows, nothing. <laughs> we had a couple sleeping bags with us that we had we had brought uh, to get us by. And that's what we were in the, in the, that's why it felt like church camp for two months. But <laughs> So we went to the little shop co, which is like a Walmart, and we got us a little air mattress and a sheet and a blanket. And uh, so for for the next two or three months, we literally slept on an air mattress and had our clothes laid out on the floor because we didn't have a dresser. We didn't have a couch to sit on. We didn't have a kitchen table. We had a bar. We'd stand at the bar and eat or take our food back and sit on the on the air mattress. But, you know, in spite of all of that, uh, it was a powerful time. We didn't have mom and dad to run to when he had issues or problems. We didn't know anybody. And it, it really drove us closer together. It drove us closer to the Lord. It, it, it caused us to learn to trust in God. Yeah. Because all these obstacles that would come in the way, 
it got to the point where we would just say, Lord, this is in your hands, and you're going to have to take care of it, and he always did. You know, it was interesting. You were talking about some of this when we were at the men's retreat. You talk about those dorms. Well, see, when all that was happening, I was on the board of the Bible college. I was involved in, in getting those buildings built. <laughs> and I thought, wow, somebody actually lived in those things. Because they, they, they built several of them after that. You, yeah. you must have been in the first one, and they built several more after that. But I was all involved in, in that decision-making process of, of getting those built. <laughs> well, man, I'll tell you, they were beautiful. Because yeah, I, I forget sometimes that some people are younger than I am. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think of myself as being as old as I am. And so when you start talking about that, it's, oh, yeah. Because you, you came along from that time probably 15, 20 years after the time that I'd served on the board. And, and your dad had been on, the, on that board before I was. Yeah. And we might have been on that at the same time as, as that. So it's just interesting to uh, to observe somebody actually came in and, and had the experience of living in those buildings. I, I was there for the dedication and, and all that sort of thing. But uh, so so you go, if you finish the Bible college, you like to say, I mean, at nineteen now, you're you're out of Bible college. And, yeah, out of Bible and, college, and you decide to take it was, the church. I was almost twenty. I was right at my end of my nineteenth, just within a few weeks of months, really, of about a month and a half before I was so twenty. So you go you go back to Ohio. Went back to Ohio and was doing some evangelistic work, working with my dad again, and um, we had a, 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 a an open Bible church that had tried to plant a church in Winchester, and it never really took off, and uh, there was just a handful of people, and the guy, the guy was leaving, and they asked if I'd go fill in. Now, they didn't tell me they were shutting it down. They just told me if I'd go fill in, and... I went up and we just, man, we started having revival. I, I went the first week and they called me back, can you go again? I won again and and God was doing things. People were getting saved and ministry was happening. And Dr. Archer, who was our regional executive director and one of my apostolic fathers said, uh, Pastor Josh, I'd like for you just to take that church. And I said, no, you know, I'm going to be an evangelist. Mm-hmm. And uh, I knew, always knew I'd pastor someday, but, you know, I'm a young man. I, matter of fact, I, I asked my dad, I said, am I, am I even old enough to be a pastor? And he goes, well, I don't know that there's an age thing, but he said, son, you're, you're not, a, you're not uh, the normal 19-year-old. Right, you've you've right. got a lot of life experience in the church and in ministry. And so we prayed about it, and the Spirit of God spoke to me in a divine way. I've had it happen about four times in my life, and that was another one of those times where God, um, I was... I was there between, uh, we had Sunday morning and Sunday night, and between the two services, I was in the sanctuary praying, and I felt a hand touch my shoulder, and kind of startled me, and I thought, man, somebody snuck in on me, and I, and I stood up, and when I stood up, the glory of God hit me so hard, I fell back onto the podium, or the stage area, and and the only way I can describe it is it, it was like a television screen opened up on the ceiling. And I began to see the future of that church. Really? And I recognized that it was the vision of where that church was headed and the plans that God had for it. And I was so mesmerized because I had never had an experience like that before. I'd heard right. the voice of God. God had did some very significant things in my life, but I'd never had anything quite like that. And I'm mesmerized, but then all of a sudden it dawned on me. I said, God, why did you give me this vision because I'm not the pastor of this church. And right when I said that, I knew. Wow. He did it because he is calling me to yeah. be the pastor of wow. that church. And um, so, so you had to, you just had to make a change of plans for life. Yeah. You, I, I still lived in Dayton, Ohio, which is about uh, an hour and 20 minutes away. So I was commuting back and forth. And so that night, uh, the people had been asking me, um, you know, we started with 12 people. Uh, actually started with less than that, but 12 people within the first few weeks because some people got saved. But then we had about 25 by this time, and and most of again, most of those got saved there. And they they won they kept asking me to be the pastor, and I just said, well, guys, if I'm going to be your pastor, then we're going to have to have 100 percent of the people say yes tonight, and we're going to take a vote. And you know, I'm at that age, I was pretty brash, so I, I figured <laughs> I had to at least make one person mad enough not to say yes. And so. Um, we did a We had everybody write it on a piece of paper, and I got up in front of everybody in front of the church, and I started counting them out, and it was yes, 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 and got to the very last one, and it said yes, and then it said, if that's what the Lord wants. And when I heard, when I read that, that's what the Lord wants, I, I knew it was, and we, uh, we prayed together, and um, I went in, and, and again, I still worked a full-time job in Dayton, Ohio, commuted an hour and a half. And and just literally, you know, back then you had Sunday morning, you had Sunday oh, yeah. night, you had Wednesday yeah. night. 
and I did a lot of commuting and really poured myself into the community there and God began to do a lot of things. We were growing, and we were. It got to the point where I couldn't physically do it anymore because the demands were being too much. Because you know now we're running sixty, seventy people, and and it got to be more and more. And and I went to the Lord, and I said, Lord, uh, you're either going to have to provide a way for me to go full time and move up there, or you're going to have to find another pastor because man, this is this wearing me out. And the Lord said, I've called you to pastor the church, and you do what you need to do. So I, uh, this is a funny story. I, I went to my boss and I said, you know, I, you know, I pastor church. And she said, yes. And I said, well, uh, I really feel that the Lord is calling me to do that full time and actually move. And because I want to live in the community in which I serve. And uh, so I'm going to put my notice in, but I'm going to give you a two month notice. Okay. Because I need, and, and, and the reason I did that is because I'm, I'm giving God two months. <laughs> to figure out where these finances are going to come from, right? And uh, so each week uh, I'd go to the treasurer and I'd say, hey, it, 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 what's the offerings look like? Is it enough money? And every week, you know, the first week, second week, third week, fourth week, fifth week, sixth week, seventh week, and I'm like, man, I got one week left, God. What are you going to do? Uh-huh. And uh, But I had a perfect piece of it. I had a perfect piece. So I, I, my treasurer was a little worried, and I just said, you know, listen, if this is what God wants, he's going to take care of. Well, the first that first Sunday, the Monday was going to be my first office day. And that Sunday, the the amount of money we needed to come in each week came in. Wow. And um, I never looked back. And huh. I've been in full-time ministry ever since. So you quit your job? Quit my job. Uh, then it was interesting. Um, I had to put my house up for sale. So I, I, would, I lived in the back of the church uh, Sunday through... Uh, Wednesday night and on on late Wednesday night or Thursday, depending on what I had to do, I'd drive back home and spend a day or two at home. Then I'd go back at Winchester and my wife stayed in the Dayton area to to continue working her job until we got the house sold. And it didn't take too long. We got all that sold and we moved up and bought us a farm and uh, we we ended up having both of our children there and um, <laughs> we, we moved and built the brand new facility and so we packed it out. And 12, 12 years you were there. Which, uh, 15 and a half. 15 years. 15 and a half years I was there. So you've had, before you became the regional executive director, you had about 30, 30 years? I had over 30 years in ministry, ministry, more than 25 as a senior pastor. Yeah. And so from there you went to Plainville, Ohio. And yep. how, long, how long you were there? I was at Plainview for almost 11 years. 11 I took years. a I took a church that had been started as an open Bible church in 1940. It had had it had a, a long-term pastor there, but there was been there were some struggles and the um, our organization asked me if I would come down and take that church and and uh, turn it around and and that's what we did and I'm telling you it's it's it was a challenge. But you know, when you're in the center of God's will, you enjoy what you're doing. Right now, you uh, actually said have now taken a, an executive position within the organization, and of course, some people we we, we been here talking about open Bible, and of course, you and I know what that is. But but uh, audience listening, what is open Bible? O- open Bible is a uh, an affiliation of churches that was born out of the Azusa Street revival, and back in the twenties. Actually, the the Four Square Gospel and another Pentecostal organization and the Open Bible they were they were all together at one, and they had different governance styles for the churches. Four Square at that time, the churches the the whole organization owns all the the properties and right. stuff, and some of the other guys didn't like that, so they kind of went through separate directions. Uh, had the same belief systems, and Open Bible was born out of that. And in 1935 uh, is when it incorporated. Uh, so it's been around a good long time. Right. And it merged with another group out of uh, Eugene, Oregon. Yeah. Uh, well, it was Bible Standard. Right. And then Open Bible. And it became Open Bible Standard Churches. And then, of course, back in the mid-90s, we dropped the word standard just to make it shorter. Right. Right. And so basically, the Open Bible Churches is just a fellowship of churches. It, it's a... Sometimes we refer to it as not being a denomination, but it is. I mean, but it's, just, it's small. And here's what I tell people about Open Bible, that what I like the most is we believe in the autonomy of local churches. We believe that local churches need to self-govern. They own their own properties. Um, I'm a firm believer that the regional 
and the district offices exist to equip the local church, and it's not the local church exists to keep a regional office moving. Right. You know, so um, my though I'm in an executive role, um, my I've, I have an apostolic father's heart, mm-hmm. and so now I am instead of just pastoring one local church, I'm pastoring pastors. Mm-hmm. And helping them to do what they do and do it better. We've planted some uh, new churches. We've got two new church plants in Michigan right now, one in Grand Rapids and one taking place in uh, Lansing, Michigan. We've got a new church plant happening down in Williamsburg, Virginia. Um, I cover 18 states, so it keeps me busy. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious because, like I said, you originally felt like what you were called to be an evangelist. Mm Mm-hmm. Now you're an executive position, but you're still doing the work of the evangelist. So, so God had a plan. <laughs> but to think about it, was it with you having having had the experience of pastoring? You know what that's all about, too. Amen. And, and to be a leader of pastors, and and in a way, that's kind of what you are. You, I mean, you you are a person who. Uh, you help churches to develop, and, and of course, you're you're dealing with churches. Some of them are successful, some of them are not. You're you're in the process of the churches that are maybe struggling. You're trying to help them, and uh, and and also to give that apostolic uh, uh, feel, uh, because people a lot of times they they need to look at somebody says, look, here's here's somebody who knows how to hear from God, all the things that an apostolic person would do. So you're kind of fulfilling you both roles in a way but not, not everybody in your position would necessarily be the person who would say i'm also an evangelist because some of them are good speakers some of them are you know they're, they're okay but they're not uh well let's just say when joshua preaches he's forceful <laughs> <laughs> and uh, not every because i mean i've been in this organization long enough to know that, that some of the regional executive directors are not necessarily the the forceful type of speakers they have their own styles and stuff like that. So in, in your role, you're kind of doing that work of the evangelist as well as, as also an apostle as such. Amen. I mean, do you see it that way? Absolutely. Um, I My gift mix is probably more apostolic and evangelistic uh-huh. than even pastoring, right. but I do have a pastor's heart. Yeah. And I'm a third generation pastor. My grandfather was a pastor. My father was a pastor. God called me from a very young age and... And, you know, when I am helping, again, I told you before, I'm a firm believer that the regional office exists to equip and to encourage and to come alongside our our pastors. We have a core value, accountability without undue control. We're not here to control you. We're not here to tell you what to do, but we want to come alongside and help. And um, I'm building a good relationship with the guys and and just really helping them uh, because, Everybody needs a pastor, and sometimes right. when you're a, a pastor of a church, especially if it's an independent church, you don't you don't have that role. You don't have that person you could go to. Everybody comes to you, and everything's put on your desk, and everything's put on your plate, and and sometimes it that's a that's a lot to bear. And I've been there. Really I, I've yeah. been through that. Yeah. So I have a heart for these guys. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time praying over them, praying with them, uh, lifting their arms up when they feel weak, and and you know praying them through some of the situations that that they go through. And I'm loving every minute of it. Now, how many churches is, is under your direct control? It's about fifty some churches in eighteen states, but that's growing. Yeah, uh, we're and, planting. We just, like I said, we're planting two more, and we got three or four more that we're looking to plant. But 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 a lot of organizations will have like for instance here in. in uh, in Leon County, if you take some of the the major denominations, they'll have more churches in Leon County than than Open Bible has in the whole North District of of Florida, which is our North District actually is five states, you know, because we're a small organization and we're very well very spread out. And and your states are going from uh, New York all the way up. Do you go all the way up into Maine? Yeah, it goes from Maine down to New York, all the way through Virginia to West Virginia to Tennessee to Indiana, up through Michigan and on over. But as you have certain areas where churches are more populated, like for instance, yes. Dayton, yeah. your headquarters is in Dayton, Ohio. And so it's like in the Open Bible uh, they're they're more cir- circulated around the St. Petersburg area in, in uh, Miami, and uh, we have the one church here in, in North Florida. 
So, I mean, do you have clusters where yeah. there, there are clusters somewhat? Yeah, we've got clusters uh, in New York City. We've got clusters in Pennsylvania. We've got clusters around the Dayton, Ohio area. We've got clusters around the the um, the area of Toledo, Ohio, mm-hmm. uh, southern Michigan. So we got, we've got clusters of churches, so we break them up in districts. It, right. it makes it challenging to be a... Uh, a pastor to pastors when you got those kind of distances, but obviously with modern technology, it makes it a little easier. But, you know, before COVID, um, uh, 12-month period before COVID, I driv- drove over 70,000 miles and was in about 54 different churches. Wow. That is a and lot of traveling. It was a lot of traveling, you know. And it's like someone told me once, they said, you know, Pastor Josh, you're just, they've always told me this my whole life, you're too busy, you do too much, and and I've always tell people, I you know, I only get about seventy years to serve God. I'll I'll have wow. eternity to do what I want. Right. So um, you know, I want to make my life count for the Lord. And so when you're doing what God wants, you got perfect peace and you're you're happy. Right. I'm excited. Now, one of the things I want to explore, we're going to take a little, little break here and play a little music here in a, in a minute. But when we come back, I want to explore this whole thing about being under a the umbrella of a group of churches rather than just being independent and uh, of course a lot of times we'll have independent churches who will become a part of our organization yep but uh, a lot of times you're like you're, you're you're trying to plant churches and, and bring them up with hope of bible church so we'll talk about that in a moment but uh joshua comes from a talented family and uh, there's three three boys one sister yep. and then your dad Yep, and, uh, and of course my mama. And, and occasionally you get together and sing a little bit. Yeah, right? every every time we right. go on a hunting trip, we always uh, try to record a good song together. Well, Josh and I, we were working on some technology here and trying to figure out if we could make this happen. So we're going to try something here. This, this is a song. Tell them, tell them what the song is. Uh, it's an old gospel song that's uh, popular. Matter of fact, some country music stars made it popular. It's called Why Me? Right. And uh, so what we do is there's four of us. My my youngest brother sings the first verse. I sing the second, and we harmonize the chorus together. And my middle brother sings the third verse, and my, my daddy brings it up the rear with the last <laughs> verse. So it, it was a fun project. We actually recorded this in our hunting cabin. There we go. That was the the Grimes boys. <laughs> That's pretty good. I, and now I understand your brother took took your voices and he added the music in and, and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So uh, when we were at the hunting cabin, he brought his computer and bought his recording equipment with him. And uh, my youngest brother played the the acoustic guitar. And that's what we sang to. Is that right? And then he took that home and and he actually recorded uh, all the instruments on right. that himself. So yeah, yeah, I heard your dad coming in there. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's it, actually it's, it's amazing that the, you can do that nowadays, and you yep. can, you can add all those instruments in and that sort of thing, and just took took your voices and then. So anyway, that's a, a little bonus for you here on the Gospel on the Radio Talk Show. A little music from the Grimes Boys, and uh, you can, uh, that's actually on the uh, uh, what do you call it? iTunes, yep. right? Yeah, yep. that's on all iTunes. Uh, you can look under "Why Me" or "The Grimes Boys." There it's on there. Yeah, okay. Picture me and my dad, and my two <laughs> brothers, and uh, the picture's actually taken. Uh, we did a missions trip together in uh, Tijuana, Mexico, yeah. building a house, okay. and uh, it was right outside of Tijuana. It kind of looks like the Blues Brothers. We had to go to the store and buy those hats because it was hot down there. <laughs> but uh, you got a little album to cover there and everything. It looks good. Uh, let me tell you, uh, this is the Gospel on the Radio Talk Show. Uh, we get to do this every Sunday from uh, 6 to 7 here on WTSM 97.9, and I appreciate you for tuning in, and I hope that you'll do it every Sunday morning. also want to invite you to church. I'm the pastor of Freedom Road Christian Ministry here in Tallahassee at 1105. is our start time for our service, and, and Brother Grimes is going to be with us today for the service. He's going to be preaching, and you'll enjoy his, his message, and we'd love to have you come out and bring the family and uh, basically, if you're heading down Capitol Circle, heading toward Park Avenue, away from Mayhan Drive, you'll see us on the right-hand side of the road. We're in a storefront church, 
But we will, there is a sign out there. You'll you'll see that. And like I said, we'd love to have you come and uh, be a part of the service today. And of course, you can come every Sunday morning. Also, I want to remind you to tune in on Saturday nights for the Saturday Night Gospel Sing with me, Pastor Jack King. Uh, 7 o'clock on 94.1 on your radio dial. It's a full hour of great Southern gospel music and also the daily broadcast. It also airs there on uh, 90, uh, 94.1 at 11 o'clock. It's a daily teaching of the Word of God. And, um, well, I just uh, am a believer in the power of the Word of God. I Amen. It'll be a blessing to you. And also, you can find this broadcast on podcast. It's show number 1005. And uh, uh, there's a lot of the talk shows there on the podcast, as well as the daily broadcast. You can find those. And uh, people tell me they like to plug them in, have them on their phone, plug them in, drive them down the road. Uh, my my daughter has bought a new car, and it has a buttons for a podcast where you can set podcasts. Isn't that cool? And yes, she, it is. She has me plugged in up there. She's a daddy. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. I love them. Yeah, she's a daddy. There you are right there. And she has the daily broadcast. And then... Um, well, I can't put the music show on the broad, on the podcast because of all the, the rights and all that sort of thing. But what Brother Doug uh, Apple has done for me uh, on the uh, shows where I do a lot of music, where rather than just just talking like last week, I didn't have a guest, so I played four songs, and he'll play just a portion of the songs, and he can go ahead and put all the the content in there. And I appreciate him doing that because he's figured out how to do it because we couldn't put all the music and even uh, the the song that you played there. Because of the copyrights, even though you all sang it, we probably won't be able to put it on the podcast. Now, we own all the copyrights, so you can use it any way, any well, way but, you want but to. But you don't have the copyright for the song itself. You have the copyright for the recording. Well, so, actually, I believe that song is public domain. But if it is, then he can do it, yeah. and then he'll know. He, he checks all that stuff. So, so back to our conversation, I was, I was asking you, you know, a lot of times churches are reluctant to become a part of an organization. And so they like being being independent. As you assess it, what do you see the value of being a part of an organization like Open Bible or, or one of the other organizations? Well, there's a there's a couple things that um, we've actually had some adoptions. We just had one uh, recently. Uh, this church had went through a traumatic experience, and there's there's nothing inherently wrong with an independent church, but. Uh, when when you have a difficulty of some sort, right. whether it be uh, a moral failure of leader or whether it be uh, other kind of internal strife issues, um, having a organization that you can lean on to help guide you through right. some of those tricky things right. uh, make it really well. Also, um, when when the pastor has no one to go to, and he's going through his own hardships and difficulties. Sometimes it's hard to go to people in your church. And so being a part of an organization, being a part of having a, a pastor over you that uh, looks in on you, again, our core value is accountability without undue control. We want our local churches to be self-governed, own their own property. We want them to flourish and grow. And we come alongside to help them accomplish what God has put in their heart to accomplish. Right. We don't want to tell them how to do it. Uh, matter of fact, uh, you go to our Bible churches. We've we've got just about every style you can imagine. There's some there's some that lean more hymn based. You've got Southern gospel based. You've got very contemporary, and uh, you know various different styles of preaching. And that's okay. It takes all kinds. You know, right? If we, uh, Pastor Jack, if me and you went into a Baskin Robbins, you might like uh, plain old vanilla, but I want Rocky Road with. Uh, uh, with all the trimmings on it, but it's all still ice cream. You know, we're here to preach Jesus. We're here to get people saved. We're here to accomplish the Great Commission. And and I always believe that we are better together mm -hmm. because when we come into agreement together, you got people praying with you, praying for you. I did that uh, men's retreat. I actually had... Uh, uh, in seven different states, I had people praying for that men's retreat, praying wow. for those men to wow. receive. You know, having backing like that sure, sure. is powerful. And, you know, I pray for my pastors every Sunday morning when they're ministering. Sometimes I even call them up, uh, pray over them before their service. Sometimes I send them a text. Wow, and, that's incredible. And, yeah. and you know, I, I want them to know that I'm in their corner. I'm there for them. Yeah. If they need me, I'm there. Uh, if the church needs me, I'm there. If there's a crisis, I'm there. Here's an example. During this coronavirus, uh, one of our pastors been there for 46 years, uh, got very ill, and he died. Oh, my. 
Now imagine being, it, it was a, this is a smaller church because it's in a very, very, very small town in northern Ohio. And the, the, the church was devastated. The, the coronavirus went through pretty much the entire church. And some of uh, the leaders were still sick. And it, it, was, it was a difficult season. And because they had a, a family to lean on during those times, uh, I actually cleared my schedule because I felt it was important. I went up and for two weeks I ministered and, and poured my heart out to these people because they just lost their pastor 46 sure. years. And yeah. his wife was there. Uh, wasn't able to have a funeral. Yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah. basically the church service became the goodbye service. And, and we had a powerful time. And. You know, she called me up, uh, you know, later and said, you know, I don't know what I would have done without you guys. And, wow. You know, having yeah. family like that yeah. to work with really helps. And one of the things, too, and I'll just add this, to, it's like that when a church uh, does not have a pastor for whatever reason, where do they turn? If, if you're independent, you're, you're out there, you're looking for somebody to come and fill the pulpit and take over the church. Whereas in, in our organization, I can't speak for other organizations, we, all of our ministers are credentialed. Yes. And, and they've gone through a process of, of vetting. Uh, we know who they are. <laughs> and uh, uh, you don't just become an open Bible pastor just because you say you want to be one. It's not easy, yeah. and it's not meant to be easy. No. Um, because if you hold an, a credential in open Bible, you can be trusted because you've been thoroughly vetted. Right. And uh, you're right. If an independent church is looking for a pastor – um, many times things fall through the cracks. Well, in a, to pastor an open Bible church, you have to have an open Bible credential. And so you so a, a church is not just under open Bible. The pastors also are under open Bible as right. a credentialed minister. And they've got ethics that they have to adhere to. And it just, it just gives more accountability there for the churches and for the pastors. But it also gives more of a covering right. uh, for the churches and the pastors yeah, as well. And, and that's really important because, I mean, we've all heard stories yes. of, of people who uh, can take churches and, and do a lot of different, th different things when there's no accountability to them. And like in an open Bible church, then there would be the region that would step in. Yeah. And they say, no, that's not going to happen that way or, or such and such a thing. And so it, it is. Uh, and some people will, will look at that as being heavy-handed and and, uh, and say, oh, no, I don't want that uh, undue oversight. But then you can also look at it as a, as a sense of freedom because it, it gives you the fact that they they know if, if like, if you send a church a pastor, you know that pastor because they've been through the whole process of uh, uh, there's there's things you have to do in order to become a credential ministry yeah. with thorough screening and background checks and they have to make sure that uh, um, you know they know certain things and they can be trusted right right and i think uh, to me that's important uh, like i've been a pastor my church for over 40 years but there's going to come a time when i'm going to step out i'd like to know that there's somebody going to come in and they're going to serve the church well like like i've tried to serve the church that way and like I say, through this vetting process, a lot of the uh, ministers that we have have pastored other open Bible churches, so they have a track record and such that you can you can look at that and go, okay, this. And a lot of times you have to do with a, you know, not every pastor is a fit for every church. Yeah, for sure. And because there's just certain churches that they lack a certain thing, and this pastor may not fit that mold. You can have an idea because you've you got a track record to go from here. So to me, that's that's a, that's a one of the the good aspects of being a part of an organization like this. You also have the fellowship. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and one of the things that I, I discourage is I don't want a pastor taking a position because they need a job, right? Because I truly feel that God doesn't call us to pastor a small group of people who attend a building on a weekend. I truly believe that God calls pastors to pastor an entire community. Mm -hmm. And everything they do is based on ministering to that community. And uh, so we don't want pastors jumping around from church to church. We've got a lot of long-term tenure pastors mm -hmm. that, that stay for long periods of time. And, you know, when, when their church begins to stagnate, we come in and help them. Like, hey, what can we do? What can we do to help you? What can we do to, to you know, gain a new vision or, or what's, what's hindering your growth, you know? Again, we're not trying to be heavy-handed. I never want to override the authority of the local church. 
But uh, there's times when I've had pastors come to come to us and say, hey, listen, I'm having some very difficulties with some some very influential people in the church. And if something's not done, it's just going to destroy the church. And when we step in, we're there to help mediate that and get them together. But then we also have situations where the you know the church calls us and the and the pastor is maybe going awry and that don't happen very often, but it has and we've had to step in and, and make some corrections and it's just working together. It's you know any project you do if you got somebody helping you do it, it's always easier yeah. when you're doing it together. But uh, as a as a young man coming into this type of position, I'm sure you've already had some times that. You say, "Ooh, that's going to be tough." Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and and I I sit on the the board of our region for uh, well, almost thirty years, so I know a little something about what what you go through. Yeah, and uh, uh, it's not always pretty, but also the fact that you can uh, help a, a new church get started, and, and of course uh, the regions they do that. We invest money in, in church plants and and. Uh, uh, somebody that said, well, I've got a vision to go here and start a church. We come alongside of them, help them to do it. And uh, I think all those things are very positive things. And then I think about all of the, uh, uh, like you grew up in an in a open Bible church and you went to all the youth functions and, yep. and things that, that we've done. And and you you can do that when you're a part of a group. In other words, you get four or five churches banded together, they can do a whole lot more than a single church by itself. Yes, so for that, sure. So that's a part of the power of, of what you're doing. Yeah. And, you know, Open Bible's got a sh- very strong missions uh, bent to us. Matter of fact, we, we are far larger overseas than we are here in America. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was originally called the Open Bible Evangelistic Association. Because the uh, emphasis in the beginning was uh, four churches in Des Moines that came together to be able to be able to focus on missions, and so that's part of our, our DNA from the very very beginning. And, and I think that again, that's that's a strong point of such. I mean, do you know how many churches we have overseas? I mean, a whole lot more than we do in the states. Yes, a whole lot more. We've got about two thousand, I believe, a little wow. over two thousand. Yeah. And in every corner of the world, literally, about forty-eight different countries yeah, that we represent. Yeah. I know when uh, when I went to Africa in nineteen ninety-three, we went to a lot of these little churches and bush churches, and they all had foundations laid out, and, and they wanted us to help them build churches. Every one of those got done. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, brother, it's it's time for us to close up. I, I've enjoyed having you, and I'm hoping you're going to be coming back through Tallahassee sometime soon. We I'd love to, Pastor Jack. Have you back on the show. Been a blessing. We always close the broadcast out with prayer. Father, I do. I thank you for Joshua and, and, uh, and the work you, you called him to do, and, and I just pray, God, your blessings upon him and his family. Lord, keep him safe as he travels, Father. And Lord, let your anointing continue to rest upon him. We pray for his family, for his mom and his dad, his brothers, and Lord, we just pray you just bless him, Lord. We just give you glory and praise. And Father, we pray for the, our nation, and we pray for peace in the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. And these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Joshua, thank you for coming to be on the broadcast. God bless you. And until next Sunday morning, may the Lord bless you.